Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. Once again, you are eternally connected, and we are so glad that you can join us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, joined in studio by my good friends Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. Gentlemen, spring has sprung. It has. With a vengeance. It, you know, <laughs> you can almost say summer. Yeah, I mean, it's almost 90 degrees. The The saving grace has been the breeze. Yes. It's been very, and, very nice. And April is known in Nebraska as the windiest month of the year. Oh, really? I didn't know I that. Didn't know yep. that. Well, has anything else changed going on in your life with the seasons or pretty status quo? Anything interesting going on? It's after Easter for me, so I got nothing exciting to <laughs> Well, I know that's not true. <laughs> well, that's true. But what do you guys got going on? Uh, we're a big outdoor family. We like the water, um, going to the racetracks. We we do a lot of stuff outside in the summer, so that's been cool. Well, and Jay, you have a son that's getting ready to graduate, so I imagine you're probably... Uh, oh. Yep, yep. we got the second senior this year, and we'll have one left in school after that, and we got the big open house and graduation coming up Mother's Day weekend, not too far away. Well, congratulations to your sons. Blessings thank, to him. Thank you. Yeah. Lots of stuff. I mean, speaking of school, lots of going things going on at St. Mark. Yes, uh, as we're getting ready to launch our our K through five school in the fall, uh, starting with grades with grades K through two. Uh, praise the Lord, we're fully staffed. We've That's got uh, awesome. sixty five years worth of Christian education experience between our our starting staff That's for our awesome. elementary school, which is just a huge reason to praise the Lord. So, if you're looking for a solid Christian education here in Omaha. Uh, St. Mark Lutheran Church, stmarkomaha.org. We uh, encourage you to check that out. And while you're at it, on your web, you can go to eternalconnectionradio.com and uh, check out what we got going on there. If you're hearing us for the first time, learn a little bit about us. Uh, Submit a question, which we have one today that we need to answer. Um, and uh, donate if you feel so led to give and support this ministry, if it's a blessing to you. And you also got an archive uh, of... uh, a lot of shows. A so lot of shows. Three years in. worth. Binge listening. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to continue in John 18, the account of Jesus on trial, uh, kind of revisiting the whole Easter story uh, as it turns out. Jesus on trial, Good Friday, him dying for the sins of the world and rising again, for he is risen indeed to bring us true and everlasting life in the truth of his word and what he has done for us. So we invite you to open your Bibles to John 18. We'll be picking up in verse 37. And before we dig in, Chip, would you pray for us? I am going to use uh, Psalm 119, a part of it, for our prayer today. Uh, I was reading Psalm 119 is quite long. Yes, it is. (laughs) The the rest of the show will be Psalm 119. All right. uh, Okay. 
Don't let us wander from your commands. We have hidden your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We praise you, O Lord. Teach us your decrees. We have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. We have rejoiced in your laws as much as in your riches. We will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. We will delight in your decrees and not forget your words. Be good to your servants that we may live and obey your word. Open our eyes, Lord, to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we actually had a couple of questions, but they were all related. Okay. So the question really involves what happens when we die. Okay. Uh, This listener asked about our soul. Uh, She had understood that our soul uh, goes to heaven. And was kind of wondering, she had heard you, Pastor, talk about uh, the fact that God was going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Uh And she was just curious about, okay, so if we die and our soul goes to heaven, why would we come back to a new earth? Right. And are we going to come back to the new earth bodily Uh with our soul together? So does that happen at the end or just kind of how does that all work in God's God's, – plan yeah it's a good question uh thank you for submitting that both both parties that mm-hmm. did and uh praise the lord they they both asked the same thing so we can get two in one <laughs> um this is a common question um and and i think it be, is a common question because we we quite often associate heaven just with what pretty much hollywood has told us Okay. <laughs> right, you're up on a cloud, you got sure. a harp. Um, and we, we often leave out the new heavens uh, and the new earth because, and rightly so, we see the earth we have now, as we talked about last episode, really being corrupt. As beautiful as it is, it is clearly broken, and, and there is no hope here. There are glimmers of it. The, the, glory, the glory of God is seen through the creation, but it is not seen fully. <clears throat> So we want to get out of this place. Right. We do <laughs> right. not want to stay here. And so we're, we don't, I think, naturally think about a new heavens and a new earth, but this is actually something talked about uh, throughout the Bible. Old Testament, uh, Gospels, Jesus saying he's making everything new, uh, and then you have it in First Peter, you have it in Revelation, John saying, I saw the new heavens, the new earth. Uh, Peter says, in Second Peter chapter 3, according to his promises, we're waiting for the new heavens and a new earth. I think the question is a good one. Why is there a new heavens and a new earth? Well, because that's the way God intended it. Right? He, he created Adam and Eve to exist forever right. in creation with him. And, and God was with them in creation. Right? We, we have that account of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day right. that we read in Genesis. A, a pre-incarnate Christ is, is what we often say. Uh, even though he wasn't there bodily all the time, he was clearly with them, speaking to them, living with them the way that it was intended to be. Just because our sin ruined all of that doesn't mean that it ruined God's intent. God is not going to make something uh, different than what he originally did. Why? Because time and time again throughout the creation account, it says God saw all that he had made, and it was good. Good. We messed it up. So God's going to restore it back to what it originally was. This is not it. We've corrupted it. The, the, he said the penalty of sin is death. 
So this world will die. But he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, restore it back to the way it was supposed to be, except this time uh, there will be only righteousness. There will be no suffering, no pain. It is a mystery that our capacity to sin, yet still our personhood will be intact, or we won't be able to sin. That'll be gone, but it's not like we will be robots. We don't know how to reconcile that now because we are sinners, but yes. that's clearly what Bible teaches. Um, so God created us to be human, to have a relationship with us as those made in his image. So that's what he's going to bring us back to. Until that time when Christ comes back, as Acts chapter 24 says, there's going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust when Christ comes back. Until then, when we die, yes, our soul alone goes to be with God, who is spirit, where we await with him that day when our body and soul are reunited, transformed into immortal bodies, and are taken to the new heavens and the new earth. Now, you also have to keep in mind when the Bible says heavens, it's not just talking about the clouds in the sky. Right. Um, the Hebrew mind understood there really to be three heavens, the heavens where the birds fly, uh, the heavens where the stars are, and then the heaven where God exists outside of creation. So it's a Hebraic way of saying he's going to make everything new, a new heavens, a new earth. So yes, we do want to go to the new earth. We, we want to be returned to the perfection God made us in, and that is body and soul. I think Paul talks about that in Romans, where he talks about the fact that our present earth is groaning. Yeah, Romans 8. And it talks about uh, how the earth is anticipating. It can't wait for the revelation of the children of men, which are believers. Yeah, the, the earth moans and groans waiting for the deliverance of the children of God, right. right? And why, and this ties into what Jesus said about, hey, listen, as the end draws more near, as my day draws closer, the earth is going to go through birth pains, right? Because that new life is coming. There's going to be an increase in earthquakes, volcano explosions, storms. Jesus says, when you see all these things increasing, when you see even sin increasing and violence increasing, it's like a woman giving birth. The labor is getting worse and worse and worse, and then boom, here's the new life. And so the earth goes through that because the earth was given to us. We were put in charge of it. So when we corrupted ourselves, the earth came with it. It was given under our dominion. And so the earth waits, right? It's, it's, a, it's a pictorial language to say that all of creation is, is suffering because of our sin. And that's why God restores all of it, right? It, it does declare the glory of God imperfectly. But God intended to reveal himself to us in the beginning through what he made. And so he's going to restore that. Well, and I think we have to be careful about looking at the earthquakes and the storms and those kinds of things and making it sort of a news flash where we're starting to predict, oh, yeah. we, we must be, we're going to go stand on the corner with a sign that said the end is near. Yeah, yeah it, it, it takes a little bit of discernment. I, I don't think it takes a whole lot to realize that it's going to seem like this is happening a lot more just because we can report on it easier. Sure. <laughs> right. You know, and who knows how much is enough. 
you know, no matter how much they increase, we don't know when that penultimate moment is where, okay, it's at the precipice, you know, a hundred, a hundred tornadoes in a day. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's going to be 500. I, the point isn't to count. The point is be ready at any time. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. It's all been done. It's finished. He could come back any moment. And that's how the disciples lived, and that's how they wrote. John, in particular, in his epistles, says, look, the Antichrist has come. All the things have been fulfilled. Christ Christ could come back today. Be ready. Stay awake. That's how we're supposed to live. If we're caught up in the counting, we've missed the whole point. Mm-hmm. The, the point is, Jesus is coming and he's here already. That's why you should be ready. When Jesus talked to his disciples about going ahead of them and preparing a place, uh-huh. do you think he was talking about what you referenced as the third heaven or the new earth? Yes. Or, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and you also have to be careful, right? Jesus is going to communicate heavenly truths to us with words we can understand, right? Right. It doesn't mean that there's a room, you know, your room four A in heaven, and there's. <laughs> <laughs> he, can I get something yeah. with a nice view of the ocean? Right. He's saying, I, I go to prepare a place for you, other than here. That's what you're supposed to take away for it. And his preparation of that, if you properly understand that passage, he's not talking about preparing in heaven. He's talking about the cross. I go there to prepare a place for you. So it's not that he's building anything in heaven. Uh, He's going to the cross to prepare a place for us, to give us the righteousness to enter into the presence of God. That's heaven. New heaven, new earth, if you're caught up in that, you're missing the point. The point is you want to be with God. And that's, that's the place where you're going to be with him. And you have been prepared for that place through faith in what Jesus has built with the wood and the nails that he was crucified on. I got to say that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Oh. I, I haven't heard it put quite that way, and that's amazing. Yeah, well, everything he does happens to be that way. Yep. True, <laughs> true. Yeah. All right, good question. Yes, thank um, you. Thank you, and uh, if any of you have a question, you can submit it anonymously, by the way. You don't have to put your name if you're hesitant. Uh, EternalConnectionRadio.com. Click on Ask Your Question and fill out the form. If you want to give us your name, we'd love to know, but not necessary. The most important thing is getting your questions answered. Yes, and we love it. So John 18, picking up in verse uh, 38, really. We left off at verse 37 uh, last week. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, uh, being interrogated by him, really. At this point, um, Jesus has, you don't get it in John's gospel, but he's been tossed back and forth. He started before the high priests, the high council. Uh, Then they brought him to Pilate initially, which we hear about in the other gospels. Then he's sent off to King Herod, because Pilate really doesn't know what to do with this guy. He doesn't understand why they're so upset. As he asked in verse 29 of John 18, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they really didn't have an answer, right? They sidestepped the issue. They said, well, if he didn't do anything wrong, we wouldn't be here. So Pilate's been struggling to understand what the big deal is, especially about this guy who, yeah, he rode into Jerusalem and people hailed him as king, but he was riding on a donkey. Sure. <laughs> the people hailing him as, as king were not were the Jews, not wealthy people. These are the slaves of Rome. Um, what's the big deal about this guy, especially since you can't tell me he did anything wrong? 
So he's questioning him the whole time about his kingdom. Of course, Jesus says, yes, I am a king, but not of this world. Uh, And then Jesus says impactfully in verse 37, more important than kingship, what he is here for, that he is here to bear witness to the truth and that anyone who is of the truth listens to his words. And then Pilate asks what you could call the million-dollar question. What is truth? And I would say, why don't we just answer that question flat out? What is truth? If someone were to actually just ask you that question, what would you guys say? Well, not unrelated to the Bible, just general conversation. Any answer. What is truth? How do you know what's true? What is truth? Yeah, that's a that's a really broad topic because uh, you know if you're talking to your kids and you know it's going to mean one thing. If you're talking to your parents, it'll mean another or a coworker. Or, um, and do we always know the answer to the truth based on the topic? If you were there, or you weren't there. So there's no real clear answer if you're just not if you're speaking outside of the Bible to me. Okay. We know Jack Nicholson would say that we can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And he would not be wrong. (laughs) As is clearly the case (laughs) as Jesus stands on trial. (laughs) There's some truth to that. Yeah, we we certainly can't handle the truth. Or understand it. Yeah, um, we can certainly receive it by faith, right? Not by intellectual knowledge. And I would say that that's pretty much how most people, I think, defend, define truth, is that it's a fact. It's, it's some type of knowledge set. Uh, I have personal experience with this, therefore it's true. Um, I, can, I can prove this happened through measurable means, and therefore it is truth because it, it, it's factual. Where Jesus would say something very different. Jesus would say that, Truth isn't a thing. Truth is not a circumstance. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's a pretty radical statement. It it totally flies in the face of what we think. It clearly flies in the face, face of what Pilate's thinking. Truth is a person. And it has to be that way, right? Because where does knowledge come from? It has to have a source. There's a book, I can't remember who wrote it, it's called The Half-Life of Facts, and it's a great book that takes you through decades and decades of science and medical textbooks, and how that most of the information in there that once was believed to be absolutely true has fundamentally changed, been gone, proven wrong, and we know this. We just don't like to accept it. We, we can't handle the truth that... We don't know the truth on our own. That's the truth we can't handle. That we can't be the truth. But Jesus comes and says, I am. And here's the truth. You're a sinner. You can't. But he's going to do it for us. Well, you you made a statement earlier. You said the phrase absolute truth. Uh I think it's probably always been around, but it seems like it's more in our face these days. The thought that truth isn't absolute. That right, it's the, relative. The, that's where the phrase, my truth, 
comes in. Mm-hmm. And the the very idea that we can, I guess, put ourselves in the seat of God and decide, well, yeah, that might be true for you. You can say that's red, but I'm going to call it blue. And yeah. for me, that's the truth. Yeah, it, it puts us in the seat of God, and yet that's the very temptation the devil made in the garden. True. Right? Did God really say? And he said, yeah. And the devil's response was, well, he only told you not to eat it because he knows that when you do, you'll be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. And that was the linchpin. I can decide? Well, that sounds great until you, whether you want to accept it now or when it's inevitable, you you can't change the truth of your own mortality. That's the end game. You, you're going to find out one way or another. Your truth doesn't mean anything. Because you can say this is true all you want. If you really could define truth, you know what you would say? The truth is I never die. But no one can do that. Except one. And he proved it by dying. And just like he said he would, rising again from the dead. And he says, the only way that's going to happen for you is if you surrender to me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So if poor Pilate had just said, instead of what is truth, if he had said, who is truth, (laughs) it would have gone a lot better. Well, yeah, and if he would have stuck around for an answer. And that's really the heartbreaking situation as you look at verse 38. Pilate said, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews. Well, why don't you stick around for an answer? Well, the truth is, not interested, right? Kind of like us. We, we want to know the truth, but we really don't want to hear it. But even if we did hear it, how do we know it's true? If God says it, he's but, the author of truth. But at the time, you're asking, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And he didn't stick around for an answer. Well, interestingly enough, even though he didn't stick around for an answer, Pilate goes out and proclaims something that is eternally true. He went out and he told the Jews, I find no guilt in him. And that's the beautiful irony of the passage. That even if you don't know what truth is, truth is bigger than you. The only way you're going to know it is if you go to the author of, of all knowledge, the author of all truth. I've asked people this before, especially in debates on creation and everything else. You're, you're trying to prove God doesn't exist through the knowledge that's in the universe. Who put the knowledge in the universe? Where does it even come from? How do we even have the ability to know anything? Where, who put it in there? You know, I have sat around and thought about that many times. It is a very simple answer. Jesus says even children can understand it. Nothing doesn't blow up into something. But because we can't handle the truth, not in our sinful nature, not until Jesus comes to us and reveals the truth to us through his word, mercifully, can we then understand not with our mind, but with our heart. And the heart's going to believe the truth of who Jesus is, the innocent lamb of God in whom there is no guilt, even as Pontius Pilate said. And just to be clear, Pontius Pilate could care less. It's hard to articulate 
how much Pontius Pilate really doesn't care. And and you get this in the other Gospels, but even his wife knows. I crucify this guy, not crucify this guy. Really not interested. She comes, she knows he has no problem either way and tries to stop him because she had a vision. The Lord was speaking to, trying to speak to Pilate through his wife. So the fact that Pilate says, I find no guilt in him, Pilate didn't have an agenda. He, he ultimately said, okay, crucify the guy. But Jesus had an agenda, or God did. Absolutely, and because he is the truth, that's what's going to happen. And the innocent son of God had to die. And it's a beautiful testimony of God's truth prevailing over the incompetence of men. We talked about that more last time, how it's, and I think I said it in a recent sermon, it's just a circus. This whole trial thing, they can't make up what they want to charge him with. Pontius Pilate doesn't know what to do with him, so he sends him off to Herod. Herod doesn't know what to do with a guy that won't speak, so he beats him, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate's begging them to just give me something here. They won't. And so then he says, all right, fine. Verse 39, you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover, so do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, John says he was a robber. <laughs> the other Gospels expand on that a little bit. He was a murderer and an insurrectionist. So Barabbas yeah. it, uh, seems like a new name to me. Yep, you haven't heard of him yet. Barabbas uh, is a prisoner. He's in jail for murder, for insurrection. And we talked about last episode that Rome, in order to keep the Jews under the thumb, allowed them certain permissions so that they wouldn't revolt. And one of those... We don't know how it came about, but clearly that's the case. Uh, they got a prisoner swap. I mean, it happens today, right? <laughs> prisoner swaps. So to appease the crowds, uh, I'll give you a swap at the Passover. You so want- they released Barabbas and took Jesus? Am I understanding yes. that right? Mm-hmm. Was Barabbas going to be crucified? Probably likely for insurrection, yeah. I mean, we're not told that, but... If, if you were a, for lack of a better word, a rabble rouser, and, and you were in for murder and chaos and especially insurrection, you were made a pretty stark example of one way or another. And that's the beautiful part of Barabbas. Again, it's not the focus on Barabbas. It's on Jesus. Jesus takes the place of a sinner. And that's true of all the murderers and people today. They have been set free. The only way it ends badly for them is if they reject the truth of Jesus. He's forgiven the sins of the whole world. Everyone is forgiven. Even the worst person you can think of, paid for. He set us free from the condemnation of that sin, which we see in Barabbas, and as we'll see at the end of the account, when Jesus is buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, he took the consequence of that sin. Jesus was buried in a sinner's tomb and rose from a sinner's tomb. So he's freed us from the condemnation and freed us from the consequence. It was intended for Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea, who did not approve of Jesus' crucifixion, went to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus to honor it, clearly indicating faith in Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture of when you put your faith in the crucified Savior, his death is your death. His tomb is your tomb. And when he rises, that means your tomb is empty. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection. Eternal Connection.